Welcome, guys, to the Travel Royalty Podcast. Um, normally, we try to post uh, every week on Wednesdays. Uh, since it's open week, we're going to try uh, a, something a little different. We're going to post a podcast a day, a couple of our old favorites, a couple of new ones. Um, yesterday, we did Craig Gilholm, and today, we have John and Jay, uh, JD. They just got back from England a couple weeks ago. They got to play Hoy Lake at Royal Liverpool. Um, and they got to play a, a few other open championship venues and uh, they really loved it. So you'll hear a lot about Hoy Lake, which is the open championship venue for this open this week. Um, hope you guys enjoy. Uh, thank you so much. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Travel Royally podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have as our guests, John and J.D. Williams. This is a father and son duo who recently returned from more than a week in England playing some of the best courses in the world. John and J.D. are from Athens, Georgia, um, and when they're not playing uh, golf, John is the CEO of WNA Engineering and the Better Communities Collaborative, and J.D. just graduated from high school, and in the fall, he's headed to Shenandoah University in Virginia, where he'll be playing on the golf team. John and J.D., welcome to the Travel Royally Podcast. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you doing this. This is great. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, well, um, as I said before we went on the air, and for everyone that's listening, they were great about sending photographs. Uh, designed, I'm sure, to make me jealous because the weather was brilliant and uh, you couldn't wipe the smiles off their face. And, um, you know, I don't know if I told you guys, but my first trip over there was with my dad. Now, I took him and J.D., now you're going to have to take your dad, obviously. Exactly. Uh, but I took him for his 60th birthday and we had the time of our lives and um, we went to Scotland and then for his 70th, I took him to Ireland. So, J.D., it looks like you're on the hook for two trips at least. I, I guess at this point I have to, right? Uh, hey, John, let's start with you. How did you come to golf in the first place? From my dad. Uh, I mean, I grew up in a small South Georgia town, really 10,000 people, county and city. Uh, my grandfather owned a grocery store down there. And uh, in the summers, my grandmother would take my dad down to Amelia Island. Uh, they had a little house down there that he bought in the 50s. And my dad started going out to the municipal course on Amelia Island at Fernandina Beach there, um, playing golf in the summers when we would spend a month or two down there. So he'd come back and there was no golf course in my hometown, nothing. Uh, and he kept playing, wound up going to the University of Georgia, getting a business degree, working on the University of Georgia golf course when it was being built, a Robert Trent Jones design golf course. So he helped sod the bunker faces and kind of fell in love with golf course maintenance, uh, went to uh, Lake City Community College down in Florida, got a degree, and ended up being the assistant superintendent actually at Sea Island Plantation not long after it opened in St. Simons. Wow. Um, and then uh, subsequently, my grandfather had a heart attack. As used to happen all the time, my, my dad had got, got the call to go back home to, to run the family business and uh, went in the grocery business. So, you know, when I came along, um, dad thought that uh, – Helping out with the kids was to to grab me when I was four or five years old or six years old and take me to the golf course. Uh, and, you know, uh, so we started playing golf at a real I started playing golf at a really young age. When we built a house in Alma, first thing he did was build a 150 yard driving range where we had, mo you know, triplex lawnmowers held together with duct tape and chicken wire and 
you know, I, my job to mow them on Saturday and we hit balls and played at a little nine hole municipal course in Appling County. So um, that's how I got started. He used to drop me off over there when, before he would go to work and come and join me for 18 holes when he got done at, um, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon on summer. So really been playing all my life. Well, so you inherited, uh, I, you've got a background in uh, landscape maintenance and I know that you worked on uh, the course at, at uh, University of Georgia, correct? I did. I'm actually a landscape architect by trade. I mean, I own a civil engineering and surveying company at landscape architecture company. Um, but my main focus in college was actually golf course design. So every I built golf courses in the summer with Mercuric Construction down in South Florida, um, one in Deerfield Beach and one at, uh, in Naples, Royal Poinciana, where we did couple of Arthur Hills redos down there. So I was shaping greens and tees and uh, doing wow. that. And then uh, kind of fell into the business that I'm in after college, just needed a job and uh, uh, started in the land development, kind of engineering business. And and that took off. So here we are. Well, then you must have, you've got a keen eye for golf course architecture and design and layout construction yeah. and so forth. Very cool. It's all I studied pretty much in college. Yeah. And JD, I'm assuming you learned to play golf through your dad as well. Uh, I did. He taught me when I was really young, like three or four. And uh, he would just put me at 50 yards or 50 yards for like a par three or 100 yards for a par four. And you just tee it up and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, that's excellent. So who's the better golfer now? I'm assuming JD. Is JD got the upper hand or no? I do. JD gives me strokes now. Yeah, yeah. he's got Give a little more. Time. He's got a little more time to work on his game though. So, yeah, I think I well, give you seven strokes. So on some of the courses over in England, if we were playing from the back tees, you did most of the time. It was about five, but yeah, depending on the the slope ratings, were seemed to be a lot. They they went up dramatically when you got to the back tees uh, over there. So yeah, our, our handicaps actually ranged a lot when we were over there between. If we played close tees, sometimes it was one, one course, it was only two strokes. And then another course, we looked from the back tees, that same course, it would have been seven that he would have had to give me yeah. to equalize our, I mean, I think he's a three and I'm a eight, something like that, just on the card. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, I noticed uh, in the video that you sent me of him swinging, he swings a little harder than you do, I'm assuming. He's a bit more flexible than I am. He's also got about, I don't know, probably five inches on me and maybe um I don't think he's got me I don't think he's maybe 50 pounds something like that so he's uh he generates a good deal more swing speed than I do yeah we'll yeah. We'll, we'll leave it at that he blows it by me about off the tee probably about 40 40 yards and you know he's a club or two longer than I am all the way through the bag yeah that's great now you guys both uh, you just returned from England and uh, you played Royal Lytham, SNA, Royal Liverpool, Royal Birkdale, Sinkports, and Rye. Um, you stayed at the Dormy House at Lytham. You stayed at the Bell Hotel in uh, Sandwich. You went to, you toured Anfield. You got a tour um, from our driver at, of Liverpool. Uh, tell us, uh, John, how was the trip overall? I mean, it couldn't have 
been better. I mean, despite, you know, in spite of the fact that she dialed up some perfect weather for us over there, I don't even think we didn't even pull out our rain gear the whole week. It was sunshiny and 75 to 80 degrees every day with a, you know, probably no more than a club, club and a half of wind at its worst. So, uh, wow. Yeah, we had a we had a spectacular time. Um, we played seven days in a row after we kind of took a day off and rested and, and did some tours, like you said, the first day. Um, by the time we were out on the course, we were itching to get out there and played SNA first and and those courses in the Northeast first, and then went down, you know, and played, of course, the ones in the, I guess, the Southwest. But uh, our driver was great. Paul was amazing. Yeah. Uh, very accommodating. Um and then uh, the tours were, we really enjoyed the football stadium tour. Uh, that was cool. Um, but just playing those courses was incredible. And the caddies, you know, were, were great. Um, m- more often than not, knew a tremendous amount of history of not only the course, but, you know, the, the even shots that happened on those open courses. I mean, we were constantly hearing, you know, this is where, this pro hit it in this bunker on the last day and, you know, made an eight and was never to be heard from again. And uh, so we got, we got all the tales out there. It was great. So you got the Thomas Bjorn story at uh, Royal St. George's. St. George's. Yep. That bunker where he left it. I see he hit it up. It didn't make it up the slope and it rolled back in, did it again, then hit it over the green and then hit it back up. And I think he said made eight or nine on the hole and that was it. And his exact words were never to be heard from again. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, and JD, what was your, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously uh, 18 years old or so. Um, what were, how did those courses play for you? I mean, they're completely different from what you play here at home. Absolutely. They're just wildly different. I had to use a little lower flighted golf shot. because, mm-hmm. As we mentioned earlier, I have some club head speed. So I usually throw it way up in the air. And it stops on a dime. Yeah. But I had, I was hitting some lower shots, landing it short of the green and letting it run out. And just yeah. like using the layout of the ground more and the course. Yeah. I'll tell you what, JD. Um, I became a much better golfer after I started playing Lynx golf because it forced you. I shouldn't say it forced you. It, 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 it made you be more creative. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've got a friend named Jim Young, who's a member of the same club I am. His seven iron is like a magic wand inside of 50 yards. He bump and runs it from everywhere, man. And and I use that all the time now. And uh, I bet I, I, I've chipped in three times this year with a seven iron in wet conditions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, around Atlanta. So anyway. Uh, well, most of those courses weren't on your radar initially. Um, I mean, initially, you guys wanted to go to St. Andrews. We talked about how difficult the tee times were. Um, but you got a great lineup of courses, don't you think? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, and, and you know, I think what was great, Jeff, about working with you and um, your company was is that, you know, we asked for something, you put together an itinerary for us in Scotland, you put together an itinerary for us in England and said, you know, pick which one you want to go, you know, you tell me, we'll do whichever yeah. one you want to do. Um, and, you know, I talked to JD about it and the lure of St. Andrews, of course, is, is huge for, you know, for American golfers, I think. Yeah. And, um, but when we saw the lineup for the, the courses in England and the yeah. fact that we could play, 
you know, five of our seven courses would be um, open courses. And then, um, you know, one of the other ones was a Ryder Cup course. I mean, it was like kind of a no brainer. Plus, plus I told JD we'd go back and play Scotland another time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a mistake a lot of people make is that they think they're not going back. And so they want to play, they want to play all the big trophy courses all at once. Right. You, you know, for most of us, once we've gone, once we want to go back all of, I don't want to say all of our clients, most of our clients go back again, but um, yeah, the courses that you guys played are amazing. And I, I think the other thing, you know, when you think about it, if you take away the, the four courses that you played that are in the current, Open Championship Rota. When you when you talk about SNA, um, Royal Sinks, Royal Sinkports, and Rye, those are just outstanding courses and amazing clubs that most Americans have never even heard of. Right, right, and that's, that's right. And yeah. I think SNA was even hosting the Amateur Championship the weekend after we were there. I mean, right. I mean. Um, and we kind of fell into the Sinkport, you know, course, uh, kind of at the last minute was able to get on that. And I don't want to speak for JD, but honestly, that was, that was probably my favorite course we played. So it's unfortunate. Wow. It's unfortunate that they can't host another open there just because they said, because they didn't have enough room for the grandstands. They didn't have a hotel within so many miles yeah. of was big enough, but, um, I don't know what JD would say to that, but that I think that was my favorite course, even though it was the last one we played. I mean, I'd say it's up there for sure, but it's, I mean, I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, but I played pretty well at Royal Liverpool with the grandstands up. So that, that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty tough to beat. Liverpool was probably, it, it was definitely high up on the list. Yeah. Well, you guys were fortunate with two things. One, um, you played Southport and Ainsdale when, like in championship condition, ready for the open championship or yeah, the uh, amateur championship, I should say. And then you played Royal Liverpool with the stands up and had a, have an amazing photograph with, you know, it looks like you guys played it that, that you know, like played in the championship. Yeah. So that's in championship condition. The rough's not going to get any higher. The rough's basically dead there now anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then, um, no, it, it was the, but the, the rough there was from memory was, it was, it was tough, but it wasn't impossible, you know? So yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how the pros handle it, handle it, but the rough at Sinkport, um, the a little bird told us they've been trying to get their slope rating up a little bit. So they've been letting the, the rough grow at yeah. Sinkport. And, and if you got, you got in that rough, it was, you're pitching out sideways, I mean, there yeah. was no, no attempt in it. Or I was. JD could get through it a little better than I could, but um, it was it was tough. I played there about 10 years ago. I played there a couple times. So I played there 10 years ago. JD, you'll appreciate this. I shot uh, 36 going out downwind mm-hmm. um, and 44 coming home. And, you know, every time I play, I want to break 80. And I bogeyed 18, and you're like, I mean, it was just into. I mean, it was into it like at least a two club win. Sometimes a three club win. I mean, it was insane trying to keep your ball in the fairway. I think that was the only layout we played that really truly went a hundred percent in one direction and then back the other direction. But yeah, they were all sort of like that. But they they still wound around a little bit. But yeah, one of the par threes at Sinkport, 
don't know, Jay, do you remember us, the caddy telling us that uh, sometimes he hit a nine on a hole, sometimes he hit a three wood, mm-hmm. on which way the wind was blowing, and most of the time it was a three. And the club pro, who was a plus four, said that when the wind was blowing out there, he wouldn't even – he wouldn't play it from the back tee. He said it was the equivalent of play, playing it from, like, 8,500 yards. Wow. So – Wow. Yeah. Uh, the club I belong to, John, we've got a par three. And the first time I went over there as a member, I played it two days in a row. And there's a, the 15th is a par three. It's about 170 yards. I, uh, and I birdied it two days in a row. Eight iron the first day downwind, two iron the second day into the wind. Yeah. A six-club difference in one day. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really, uh, obviously, yeah. that was a long time ago. I don't carry a two-iron anymore, but mm-hmm. anyway. Um, okay, so you guys, uh, there are 14 courses that have ever hosted the Open Championship, and uh, you've played five of them. We did. That's kind of amazing. And then, I mean – it was cool. I mean, we're all in great shape. I mean, every course we play was in great shape. Yeah. I honestly, I can't, I don't know of anyone who's played five. I mean, I've done it. I've made that same trip that you did. But beyond that, I don't know anyone else who's played five open championship courses in a week. It was a, it was a long week. That was the most golf I've played in my life in a seven-day period of time. Yeah. Um, JD, what was your favorite course? Uh, I think it's either between Singport or Royal Liverpool, to be honest with you. Singport yeah. was just a great course, and then it's hard to beat playing Royal Liverpool with stands up, firing a four under on the back nine. And he had to get that in, didn't he, John? I, I, firing a I four under, it was so much, it was so much fun to watch. I mean, I mean, uh, and that was with him hitting driver five iron into the 18. Uh, out of the rough to about eight feet and missing the butt for evil on the 18th on the par five. So, um, you know, but still pretty, pretty darn good to, to go out there and shoot a four under on the back, it's particularly because, I mean, he, he didn't play outstanding on the front, but, you know, just to come back and, I mean, he didn't miss a shot on the back nine for the most part. I mean, he almost had a hole in one on 17. Yeah, Six I saw eight. that picture. You had a, you almost did as well. Yeah, the caddies actually said it's the first time they'd ever caddied for two people that both hit that green and birdied it. Wow. Because they they redid that green for this championship. Yeah. And it's it's treacherous. It's like landing it. It's only 100 yards. Yeah. The pros are going to play it at like 115. We played it that day at right at 100. And, I mean, it's it's the size of a tabletop. And it's trouble in the back, 20-foot deep bunkers in the front. JD hit it at six inches and I hit it to about 12 feet. So made the putt. Excellent. That was after the caddies told us that how hard the hole was and how impossible it was. And they said that they you know, might, might not do that next time before people play it. So, <laughs> well, John, other than the sink parts, what would be your next favorite course? Uh, I mean, my favorite experience was watching JD, you know, that we had at, um, Hoy Lake at Royal Liverpool there. Um, and that course was phenomenal. Um, you know, really uh, very subtle greens there, though. I mean, you know, very flat greens, not much break in them. And 
Um, it's really interesting to try to try to get the reads down there. And then, you know, very different from Sinkport and um, St. George's where there's a lot more, you know, undulation on the surface of the green. So between those those three, Sinkport, St. George, and uh, Hoy Lake were the three, were my top three, you know. Yeah. Well, I, as I mentioned, you guys were really fortunate. You got to play Southport Nainsdale. Um, literally days before the amateur championship was there. Uh, what, what, how did you feel about, about that course? Well, the first thing that happened was, is like I said, we, we, we got in, you know, we got in early one morning, we had all that day kind of fiddle around. And then we had all the next day that we went touring. So we'd been in the country for two days and we were both just about the bus to get out there and play some golf. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I promptly duck hooked the first tee shot over the into the next fairway on a par three. Um, but uh, you know, we settled into it. It that course was actually probably as far as uh difficulty level, I mean, there's not really anywhere to miss it on that course. It's a, it was a tough course to yeah. play. I mean, you just really target golf, you're hitting it from spot to spot. And if we didn't have good caddies out there, you know, you really wouldn't know where to, you, you wouldn't know where to hit it, where to place it, you know, where to land it. Uh, but those guys were great. Uh, we ended up having a beer with them afterwards. One of, one of our caddies was the caddy master and had actually won the club championship about three years before that uh, at, at SNA. So um, we, we had a great time out there. Yeah. Well, that I, that's one of the things that I think uh, people overlook is the amount of fun you have, in the club right at a low like that's a club you could become a member of yeah right? easily right and it and you'd be very happy to play you know the next 40 years of your life john playing that every day it's a fantastic golf course it is um and uh, it's a feeling that you don't always get at the bigger clubs where you know a lot of the members live outside of the town everyone at sna lives within 20 miles of that course i would imagine that's right. Whereas people that are members of Royal St. George's live in London or or overseas or what have you. Pardon the me. Rye, the, at Rye, that's what they said. Most of the people that are members at Rye are from uh, are in London. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. That that was one of the biggest surprises my group had when we went there. I you know ten or fifteen years ago was just how great SNA was. We were. I remember we were out on like the 15th hole looking at each other like, how is the whole world not making tracks to get here and play this course? It's fantastic. It was. And it had to seem, like you said, just a real low-key vibe. I mean, very down to earth. All the members were great. People were stopping and talking to us. And it was very much the same as uh, Sinkport was actually, kind of a super, super chill. Yeah. Low-key, you know. Did you find Rye to be that way as well? Or was that a little stuffier? I shouldn't say stuffy. I, I love, I've got a no, friend that's a member there. It's wonderful. Actually, the, the people we met at Rye, I mean, everybody we ran into, they, uh, they were uh, they were redoing their clubhouse when we were there. So it was a little confusion of how to get from place to place from, you know, where you check in to where your locker is to where the lunch was. And, you know, we kept running into people and everybody we talked to at Rye was just like, hey, what are you guys up to? You know, what are you doing? So, I mean, it was great. They were uh yeah, you know, we we talked to several gentlemen, had lunch there. It's really, it was really a good experience. Excellent. 
JD, tell me, what was it like playing uh, Royal Liverpool with the stands up? I mean, that first tee shot was pretty nerve-wracking, to be honest with you, looking down and just seeing stands. But yeah. you eventually settled in, and it doesn't help when playing a match against my dad <laughs> with the British Open stands up. So that adds some pressure. But it was more of just a surreal thing because any day on the golf course beats a day sitting at home doing nothing. Well, yeah, playing 18 had to be special with the because they even had the scoreboard up behind you guys, right? They did. That was uh, really cool because I hit a drive into the left rough and then hit a five iron at eight feet and just like walking down that fairway with the yellow scoreboards up and all the grandstands was a really special treat. Yeah. Now, what will the two of you be looking for when you watch the Open this year when the pros are playing there? Are you going to I mean, you've got special memories of uh, the 17th and you guys, J.D., almost you both almost had hole in ones. Is there are there other things that you're going to be looking for as they as they play through there? Uh, I'm interested to see how they attack some of the shorter holes, because I know there were a couple holes that I was I could have like bombed a driveway down there, or maybe like been a little more aggressive. But you could also lay back and hit an iron off the tee. Yeah, so I'm interested to see how that comes into play of being. Of like wood, yeah. hmm? that that hole that uh, the the one you talk the one that one runs right behind the clubhouse right there where you can sit and see it, it, um they you know they change the number of the holes so I don't right know right is. whichever hole it is it runs right beside the clubhouse I mean it's potentially a drivable par four but you got to drive it over ob you, got, you know ob on the right ob on the left I, mean, I think JD hit a five iron off that off that tee box you know yeah uh, so. Yeah, they did. Did you? You must have played. The, did you guys play the championship layout? No, uh, we played the member layout on that course. Um, yeah. You know, we we um, most of the courses they would have let us play a little further back if we asked, uh, and we did. There was, two, I think, we played two or three of them from what would be considered the not the pro tees, but the next one behind the 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 daily tees, as they called as they called them most of the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, J.D. hits a lot further than I do. So my, my game's not super well suited to stretching it out once it gets to you know, beyond 7,000 yards. So it makes it for a long day for Dad. Did you guys play the back tees at Burkdale? I think Burkdale was one of the ones we played. The, we played the – I don't know. I don't even know what they call it. But, yeah, we played the back but not the – there's there was two sets behind the member tees most yeah. days yeah. where we played, but the 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 pro tees. I mean, there were some of them that you couldn't even see the tee boxes. They'd be, you know, they'd be sixty yards, seventy yards behind what we would consider the back tees. Yeah, they were adding all these tee boxes. That what course was that? They kept taking us to the one. Was that a? I was Sinkport, I think. No, what was it? Saint Sinkport had added some, but so did uh, Saint George. I think had added some. Mm-hmm two that were just like forever away yeah you look over your shoulder and they're another 70 yards 80 yards back there yeah it's almost it reminds me what you're talking about of east lake when i play there with a buddy of mine from the member tees and you look over your shoulder like you described jd you're looking back 70 yards it's it's like a whole different golf course from back there it really is right um you know one of the things too 
JD, you talked about how you you had to adjust your golf game to have a lower ball flight. I've heard experts say, golf pros say, it's like golf in the States or golf on a parkland course like we play versus Lynx golf. It's like two different games. It's kind of like uh, softball and baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're extremely similar, but they're also very different. For I think people that uh, the uninitiated, if someone from England came over and watched a softball game and a baseball game, they initially they'd say, well, they're the same game is they spent if they if they watch an entire game of each sport, they'd realize how different they are. And I think I think Lynx golf is a, is a different game. If you want to play well, you can't play it like you do here. Mm, absolutely. I'd say yeah. it definitely just takes more creativity and like thinking before you hit. You can't just sit up there and be like, oh, I'll fire at this pin and it'll stop on a dime. Yeah. And I'll spin it back. Yeah. That's the difference. I mean, we spent our whole life playing to the yardage the pin is. I mean, at least up at least up to a, a five iron. I mean, anything below that, I mean, we're we're trying to hit it the number of the pin is for the most part. And you know, over there, I mean, we you know, we were landing at 30, 40 yards short of the pin with two or three clubs less, you know. Yeah. Um, in, some, some, in some cases. Yeah. Uh, the fifth hole at my club has a uh, – the green is kind of set down 20 feet below the surface of the fairway. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it – went the approach shot is almost like when you hit a putt that has to that has to just get to the edge of the hill and then it tumbles down and it'll roll 20 feet. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. You have to come in from the left side. Now they've got a bunker there that you have to deal with, but – if you get it just to crest that hill and tumble down, it'll roll 30 or 40 yards down to the hole. That's We have a hole like that at our home course. It's hole number three. If you can get the right bounces, you can end up hitting the green. Like if you fly it over a couple of bunkers and you get like two hard bounces, you are, you're putting for eagle. Yeah, that's fantastic. What did you guys think of the course at uh, Royal Lytham? That was a difficult golf course, to be honest. That was a tough golf course. There's a ton of bunkers out there, man. There's bunkers everywhere out there. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. And I found a lot of them, and my bunker game wasn't the best for the week. Uh, J.D. didn't struggle from the bunkers, I don't think, really at all. I mean, he he was able to, you know, had enough club head speed to get out of the fairway bunkers and, and, and advance it pretty far. And then um, – but, yeah, they're – what is there like 170 bunkers on that course or something? I mean, yeah, it's a crazy number, right? They were everywhere, everywhere. I mean, um, and as far as that was probably the day that I was the most tired from the travel and kind of right. the jet lag and stuff like that. So the back nine was pretty tough there. But what I will say is the experience of being there at the dormy house, um, was one of the coolest experiences we had. I mean, I would highly recommend that to anybody that goes yeah. over um you know in fact i mean if we went back to to that area of the country and played the same thing again i mean i'd love to make that be home base and just play out of there instead of staying in southport yeah uh, just because it was so neat to be you know you could sit up on the balcony of the club have a beer watch guys finish the 18th hole um the gentleman that was kind of in charge of making sure we had everything we needed was his name tony i think was fantastic Mm -hmm um the room was great yeah the putting greens right outside the room we went outside in the afternoon and putted on the green so that was a super cool experience that was also the same day I had a caddy who is the same age as me of 18 
So that was a really cool experience of being able to exchange stories or what we're doing next in life, like comparing the American way to the British way. Man, I'm so happy to hear that, J.D. That Those are some of the serendipitous things that happen on these trips, right? Where you, you know, you become friendly with Paul, the driver. You have a great uh, experience with Tony, who's kind of the the house um the chief of the house at uh, Royal Lytham and, and to have that experience with your caddy is really neat. You know, I, I really felt, I felt so strongly that I wanted you guys to stay there that we had to break up your stay. You had to check in twice to the yeah. hotel in Southport, but I'm like, I know that's kind of a pain, but you don't want to miss staying in, in that uh, dorming house. I agree. Yeah. I was really confused when I read the itinerary. I was like, we're going back to the same hotel three, four days later. But once we did it, it made sense. And I'm thankful we got to stay in the dormy house. Yeah, there's another course nearby. You know, you guys, um, there are a handful of courses there that you didn't play that are fantastic. There's a course there called Hillside. There's another nearby called Formby. There's another cart course called West Lanks. There's one close to Liverpool called Wallasey. I mean, you could build a trip where you didn't leave that Lancashire coast, the you know the on the other side of the Mersey River where uh, Royal Liverpool and um, and Wallasey are, and have 10, 10 days of just amazing golf. But Formby has a dormy house as well. Now Formby's not as famous, although they've held. I, I want to say they've had Walker Cups there. It's a it's an amazing golf course. Um, and one trip that I took my buddies on, we stayed we stayed in both of those dormy houses and ever, you know, had the same experience you did. Like, this is just unbeatable. And being able to go into the clubhouse and have breakfast or lunch or an yeah, early dinner is just magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Um, what was your favorite off course experience? Yeah. Uh, J- watching JD drink his first beer. I wish I could say that that was his first beer. <laughs> I was no better than that, but uh, I mean that that was a special thing to be able to you know go to the pub at night, grab a beer, we throw darts, and made friends with some of the local folks. So we we adopted a, a our home pub there in uh, um, Southport and went three nights there, and um, we ended up uh, doing the same thing when we were in Sandwich. We went to the same little pub restaurant three nights in a row and ended up taking our driver there for dinner the last night. So, um, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. How about you, JD? I mean, I want to say making friends with the caddy that I had, but that was, I guess that's an on course experience, but I guess I'll agree with my dad here for the first time that, um, just being able to hang out, shoot pool or not shoot pool, throw darts and just play snooker was a really fun time just hanging out talking about anything and everything because i leave soon for college so it was a really sweet special time to just hang out yeah you're absolutely right and you're not going to learn snooker over here that's a that's a game i learned at uh formby by the way in in, in the, they had a pool room and we had a ball believe uh, it or not i grew up playing snooker in alma georgia really we had a pool hall in Alma, Georgia, and when we weren't at the, working at the grocery store, we'd shoot, shoot a lot of pool, and there was a snooker table in there. Yep. Wow. I'd never seen one. I'd never seen the game before. Massive. What's that? They're massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
JD, what did you think of Anfield where uh, Liverpool Football Club plays? Uh, that was really cool because my assistant golf coach for high school is an Arsenal fan. So I got to send him all the pictures and videos. And I have a couple of buddies who watch a lot of soccer over there. So I got to just experience it. And it was really cool because I like their chants or like them singing is something yeah. we don't get here. But back home, it's just a whole lot of yelling or being as loud as possible. Yeah. So it was not, it was a nice change of pace and it was a nice bit of history too. Yeah. Well, and I know that your driver, Paul's a Everton fan. So it he took it down to their new happy. stadium, didn't he? It did not yes, make it happy when we toured Ainsdale. <laughs> he had a real hard time with that. But yeah, he showed us where the, his new stadium was, was going. God, what a beautiful location, huh? Right on the water there. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah. Liverpool's a great um a great town. I you guys didn't get to do the Beatles tour, but that's fantastic as well. And um, you know, anyway. Sort of did. I mean, Paul took us to the I mean, we hit we we went to Lennon's house, we went to the ah. um, Strawberry Fields. Okay. Uh, I mean, we did we did a we did a, we did a Paul Beatles tour and we just cut it down to and then we went and saw the statue, went to the ferry terminal there where the big statue is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we caught, we caught a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Excellent. That Thanks was cool. Thanks for our driver. What was, uh, John, what was your biggest surprise of the trip? Um, biggest surprise, probably, uh, the fact that when you're playing over there and you, you, you're like a member of the course for the day. I mean, they welcome you in as a member, you know, you, we, we had a locker, you know, we were able to go where the members went, do what the members did at, at, at every course we went to really, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the way it is when you play as a guest, particularly an unaccompanied guest. Now, I mean, if we took somebody to our private course here in Athens and they were with us, I mean, they would certainly, you know, be welcome to go in the locker room or do whatever, but right. uh, they wouldn't have a locker and they wouldn't, you know, it's it's just that I thought that was pretty that was pretty neat. Mm -hmm. JD, how about you? Uh, I guess I would just say how they welcomed us with open arms. It was like really nice. Plus, this is like a small little thing, but no spikes inside the clubhouse or where you're eating. Yeah. So that was always that was an interesting one. The first time when we walked in, they we had to go change shoes because usually when you show up to the golf course, you just throw on the spikes right away. Right. And don't think twice. Right. And then the same with that cap. You can't wear a cap in there. Uh, we have to take our hats off at our home course. Ah. So that that one I kind of saw coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My biggest disappointment of your whole trip, John, was I, I didn't see J.D. wear the uh, Royal Links golf tours hat. I sent him once. So he always had the Shenandoah University golf hat on. I was disappointed. Well, now there's a there's a thing there with that, Jeff. I'm gonna tell you, JD and I both have pretty big noggins. The, so the Royal have, that hat fits me. I, I wore it the other day to play golf. Did you? <laughs> it, I mean, I we we got I like the we get the big buckets, you know. So um yeah, I gave I gave you the uh standard old man hat that I wear. I gave him the cooler uh trucker cap that uh Oh, well, I didn't know he had a trucker cap. I thought he yeah. had me. Oh, well, yeah. Uh -oh. No, he got the trucker cap. I got the trucker cap. 
I get a trucker cab. Let me know what I owe you and send me one of those. I mean, that's. Uh, I'll um, put one in the mail for you for doing the podcast. All right. That sounds good. Okay. Uh, what's your best memory of the trip, John? I mean, hundred percent watching JD, you know, go low on the back nine of the, of a golf course that is we're we're about to watch them play the British Open on. I mean, I mean that couple would just, you know, they're they're probably you know there may or may not ever be another time in my life where JD and I spend ten days together, traveling together, just us. Yeah. It, was, it was probably the best decision that we also made. I mean, early on we talked about trying to find another uh, two guys to go and round out a foursome, um, but. I am so grateful that we just ended up just being me and JD and, and doing it that way, which, which takes me back to my biggest surprise of the trip was, which was that we didn't get paired up a single time. I wow. Mean, I fully expected as a twosome that we were to be playing with another group of people at every, at every course we went to and not one time that we play with anybody else, which, you know, Blessing and curse, blessing that we, you know, we got to hang out just with each other. Curse was, you know, there was, a, if, if there was several foursomes in front of us, it was a little slow sometimes, but, um, but I, that shocked me that we didn't, that they didn't pair us up. Well, and you had caddies most days. So that, that, that made for great company as well as you guys. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. JD, how about you? What was your best memory of the trip? Uh, I mean, he kind of took mine going low, but I guess, I don't know. There was uh, one day that stands out to me in particular was we were spending the night at the dormy house and we had just finished playing and we went and showered for dinner and then we came out and putted for a while on the putting green and just talked. And then we went up to the balcony and watched some guys play 18 and just talked like two guys just hanging out. So that was really special to me. Excellent. John, you can't buy those kinds of memories, right? That's just. No. That's just amazing. Well, you can't, you you can, I mean, we sort of did buy them, but we, you can't put a price on them. Right. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right there. Now, no, I, AD, yeah. I haven't said this, but congratulations on graduating from high school. Thank you. Thank and you. now you're headed to play golf at Shenandoah this fall. How do you think this trip prepared you for uh, playing golf in college? I mean, Obviously, I play golf a lot now, but it was just a continuation of continuing to practice and just play consistently all day, every day. Plus, it made me start thinking because back home, like I know exactly what the course does. You just kind of fire it down there, yeah. find it, and it's wide open. So it definitely required me to hit some better iron shots or keep it more straight and narrow, which is something I've been trying to do. Yeah, that's excellent. I've got, I'm going to go off script a little bit. One, I, I love the town of Sandwich. And one of the things that I remember about staying there is that they seem to have, and this goes back when I first went there 20 years ago or so, um, like uh, pubs that were serving a lot of local craft brews. Did you find that pub that you guys found? Was it similar to that where they had, I forget what they call it, where they have to pump it. Yeah. Like, like they had, they did have some of that uh, in there. Yeah, I stuck with the. Um, um, oh, I've lost please, the name now. Please don't say Budweiser. Guinness. Uh, the Guinness. I drank a fair bit of Guinness. <laughs> um, 
but uh yeah the, the the pub that we went to they had a, a local kind of ipa i think that jd drinks um uh, they were making over there so yeah that was pretty cool yeah that's excellent the place that we actually ended up hanging out in sandwich was a, the the guy was a chef and wanted to do something different and they basically opened a i call it a kind of a fancy american barbecue restaurant i mean they had some other stuff on the menu too but he had pulled pork he had brisket he had wow yeah it was really cool it was a good restaurant and the service was great yeah, I mean, we were staying. Our hotel was across the street from a pub that had a sign that said "Established in 1491." I mean, <laughs> I mean, a year before Columbus ever even took off over here. Yeah, it's just crazy the history. Um, I spent about half a morning walking around um, the streets of Sandwich and the little narrow streets and all the little shops and towns and art galleries and shops it was really a super cool little town yeah yeah you know one other thing that we haven't talked about was the uh the experience at royal st george's did you enjoy the lunch oh absolutely it was off the chain it really was that Plus, is that is something very different than american golf i mean there's you know we don't at least at our club there's no take a shower and go put on your coat and tie yeah uh, and then and then go to lunch but we you know we sat inside at the main dining room the food was just i mean it was five star food it was it was crazy for lunch i mean yeah. you know, um really good i will say i think that's the, one of the best showers i've ever taken exactly i told you guys those <laughs> were the best man that was a good one that was a that's, good one uh, and, and you know what it didn't feel you you talked about how uh, Southport Nainsdale is laid back, right? It's got its it's got a laid back vibe, and and we like that. I also like the formality of a Royal St George's where you have to shower, put on a jacket and tie. Yep. There's something about that. I mean, and, and and they're very friendly there too. They welcome you with open arms, as JD said, right? We did that at um, St George's, and we did it also at Rye. I believe uh, we we put a coat and tie on there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, St. George's, the first thing that happened to us there, I mean, we were wandering around trying to figure out kind of where the range is, it's balls. And, you know, there's a guy out there that's practicing just, you know, he's probably, uh, he's probably a couple years older than me, but he's just striping it down the middle of the fairway. He strikes up a conversation with us, talks to us the whole 10 minutes, wherever they're warming up on the range. Super nice guy, you know, yeah. and that was at St. George. Yeah. And that was the other thing that was going on is that St. George, uh, the, the, the third course, there's three courses right there, right? There's Singapore, St. George, and one more. Princes. And so the women's amateur championship was going on on that course while we were there. Mm -hmm. We could see them playing from some of the holes we were playing on St. George. They, they were playing their match play portion, so they were getting down to the final bits. So that was really cool to watch because I could look at it on my phone and like kind of figure out who was who and like look at the pairings and the match and how it stood. Yeah. Well, I've got a golf course rating that I've done for all the courses over there that I've been to. And I've played uh, about 90 links courses now and about 190 rounds in total. Uh, now, a lot of those are on my home course, right uh, over there. Uh, but my number one course is Royal St. George's. And I shouldn't say course because I, I the, the rating is more inclusive than that. It's talking about 
um, not only the playability of the course and the layout and the history, but it's also talking about the amenities, like whether it's the lunch, the showers, having a driving range, yeah. um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it, I've got that rated the highest of all um, 90 golf courses. I, I mean, I would, I, I love, I love going there, but I love the informality of places like the club I belong to or, Southport and Ainsdale, those are just wonderful places. Yeah, St. George was an incredible layout. It was really good. And the guy, our caddy that day, J.D., correct me if I'm wrong, I think he said he'd been caddying there for like 27 years. Yeah, he had been there. He had been there a long time. So he knew every tee box that had been moved, every green that had been reshaped, every hole that had been redone, all the stories. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's next for you in terms of uh, golf buddy trips? You, you should, uh, whether you go over there or you go uh, someplace in the States, you got to, uh, you've got a uh, legacy to uphold, John. I know there was talk of banding at some point. But... <laughs> I told JD, you know, I think our next international golf trip may come when he graduates from his undergraduate degree at college, you know, yeah. um, that'd be, a, I feel like a good spacing. And then, Hopefully in these summers that are in between there while he's in, in school, I mean, I would love for to take him and even a, a person or two that's on his golf game in Shenandoah if we could work that out to go play some of the places we haven't played in America. I mean, J.D., um, you know, he, he did play golf all over the country until he was about 12. So when he was nine, he and I played Pebble Beach together. Um, and, you know, so we've played some pretty good courses. Um, but, you know, we haven't ever been to Kohler. I'd like to get the, get up there and, and yeah. check out that area, Wisdom Straits and all that, get out the band in. Uh, we have been down. We went down and played Stream Song a couple of years ago during spring break. That was a fun, fun little yeah. song. But, you know, just some three, four-day golf trips here stateside until uh, we get him through through college, and, and we'll see. So, J.D., you've got that. It's This is on a recording now. Your dad's taking you at when you graduate, so. I'm holding him to it. Can't take, can't take it back. Well, he's holding you to. He said in four years, so I think he's going to. The caveat there is you have to graduate in four years. You can't that's beat right. it. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the hope. If I don't graduate in four years, I think I got bigger issues than a golf trip. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned something earlier, John. I wanted to go back to just briefly. When we first started talking, it was going to be you and JD and another father and son. I think from Tennessee or somewhere. No, it wasn't another father and son. It was a good oh. friend of mine from Tennessee uh, that owns a company up there that he and I got to be friends And because one of my offices is up in Nashville. So, um, you know, they're just family friends of ours. And then he had a he had a friend that wanted to go – that was wanting to go play. So it was actually going to be my good friend, who J.D. didn't know, and then his good friend, who neither one of us knew. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't work out, and it kind of, like I said – a little bit of serendipity there. It's just kind of, it worked out the way exactly how it needed to work out. I think, you know, for, for this trip. Yeah. Um, Okay. I've got one last question and this is kind of a two-parter because I want, um, I want you to talk about golf and how it's different over there and how someone might prepare, but also about the experience over there. And as you think about planning a trip like this. So the question is for, for someone going over to the UK for the first time to play Lynx golf, 
what advice do you have for them? John, let's just you. Start with me. Start yeah. with me. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and really it was easy for me in this case because I was with JD. And for me, this trip was more about spending time with him than it was me playing great golf at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think you go to, I don't think you go and play these courses uh, holding any expectation that you're going to be, you know, busting your low round or even shooting your handicap at the end of the day. I think if you go over there with it, you know, truly for the experience um, and, 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 you know, the people, the history, like you said, you know, how they do things versus how we do things. Uh, and then the, the, you know, if you play a good round of golf and, you know, both of us played some, well, we talked about JD's low, low, low nine holes, but I mean, you know, both of us had a couple of days where we played pretty decent, you know, uh, for, for me and for him. Uh, but I think if you went over, I think if you tried to gear that trip and practice, even practice really hard before you went, it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing the best golf of my life when I go to England. I think, I think you're going to be, I think you're going to set yourself up for a, a tough week, man, because it's so different. I mean, the bunkers are different. The tee shots are different. The greens are different. Everything's different. And it, it's, it's not the same game. So you, you practice till you're blue in the face here and at stateside and, you know, yeah, you can be striking the ball good. And the better you strike it, the better you're going to probably score. But it's still going to be – you're going to be throwing for some loops over there. And I think you yeah. just got to take what comes. You know, the one thing that I do before I go over for about two weeks, I go to the range and just practice hitting punch shots. Yeah, I did. Hitting like low, boring shots, right? Kind of sawed <laughs> off stingers, if you will. But anyway, J.D., how about you? Uh, I would definitely just say – I mean, I practice a lot anyways, but – you definitely just got to learn how to control your ball flight. Like you mentioned earlier, just learn how to keep the ball below the wind or else it's going to be a long day. So just keep it under it. And then I guess just go over with no expectations and have a good time. Cause if you start putting pressure on yourself and you're not, you're not going to play well, you're not going to go out there and shoot a 72. So just go have fun with the people you took. Cause it'll probably bring some of your best memories that you will hold on for a long time. Yeah. Well said, JD. Listen right. to the caddies. There's a good yeah. If they tell you to fly at 140 and the pins at 170, just just fly the damn thing 140. Just hit it. <laughs> just hit it 140. I mean, don't argue with them. Don't don't, you know, just hit it where they tell you to hit it. Did That's, you guys even use your measuring devices? We actually we actually most of the time our caddies would take them and use them. They didn't have them. They used the uh, uh, GPS watches that gave them front of the green, back of the green, but it wouldn't always give them the pin, the exact pin location. So once they figured out that we both had, um, you know, measuring devices, yard range finders, whatever, most days my caddy took my range finder after a hole or two and would shoot the pin if I asked them to. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I stopped asking how far the pin was. I was just like, how far do you want me to fly this? Exactly. Yeah, that Excellent. was the question. How far do you want to fly? And then does that account for the wind or not? You know, yeah. are, you telling me to, are you telling me to hit a 170 shot today with the wind? Or are you telling me to fly at 170 when there's no wind? And you clarify that. And then that's what J.D. was talking about, thinking your way around the course. A lot more to consider, you know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, there's. I, I think the, the reason is there's a lot more trouble. 
right? I mean, like you were talking about at Lytham. I mean, they've got they've got holes. The opening par three's got five or six bunkers around that green. You get in. I mean, you could derail your round in the first hole. Or oh yeah, I doubled it. <laughs> I did. Hit it in the bunker. Left it in the bunker. Well, it, it was a bunker. it's a back left pin, and you pull it into the left side bunker. Yeah, short, short side. Yourself. Yeah, up next to the lip. Yep. Yeah. Wow. The other advice would be just take your dagger medicine. I mean, if you're, you know, you just can't pull. I mean, if you hit it in the bunker, get it out of the bunker. You hit it in the rough, just get it out of the rough. Take your bogey. You go on, go on down the road most time. Yeah. That was the best golf advice my dad ever gave me, which was when you get in trouble, get out of trouble. Don't, you know. Well, it's different though, because like our course that we play, that, that JD's talking about, that he knows every bump and roll on here in the states is, you know, it's an old Donald Ross course. It's not a, um, it's not a subdivision course, so the holes are routed back and forth. I mean, trouble is there's just, I mean, you hit it, you hit it two fairways over, and still hit it towards the green you were meant to be playing at. That's not yeah. the case over there. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you hit, I mean, if you look behind me, um, you can see uh, Royal Liverpool, and you can see the the rough is probably three feet high. I mean, I know it might be wispy this time of year, but um, you you don't want to go that far offline. You don't want to be twenty yards left or right of um, of the fairway. You're, it's just it can be dead in there. Hell, you'll be lucky to find the ball without a caddy. We would, it would be difficult for us to even find a golf ball. Yeah, we would, have, we would have lost dozens of balls if we hadn't had caddies, but they could somehow walk right to them. So, yeah. Well, John, before you guys left, you said, hey, don't worry about us. We're going to be low maintenance. And uh, you were absolutely right. You guys are a pleasure to work with. And uh, um, I, I really, really enjoyed the photographs that you guys sent. It really made my day to see the smile on your faces. And, also made me a bit envious, obviously. So, well, there's a bunch more if uh, that I've got a, a little thing set up on my iPhone with a photo album. I'll 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 add you to that album. You can look through all the ones from our trip that we put on that album. Yeah, that we- I'd love to. I'd love to put some on the. Uh, we we don't have a a page yet for um, photographs, but we're gonna we're gonna add that so that we can put up some uh, photographs and some testimonials and. We have a testimonial page, but we don't have photographs around those. So we're going to get that set up. There's some good videos on there, too. Um, like me and J.D. walking down 18 at a Hoy Lake, you know, with the caddy doing the video and commentating. That's one of my favorites. So look for that one. Oh, that'll be great. That'll be great. Well, guys, hey, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for uh, joining the Travel Royalty podcast. I know people are going to love this. And and. uh Thanks again. We really appreciate it. We really thank appreciate you. it, too, Jeff. Everything you did, it was great. Thank you for having us, and thank you for everything you did. Hey, my pleasure, JD. Be well, guys. Hey, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Um, like I said at the beginning of the video, we've got podcasts all week. Uh, we're going to finish off with Clive Clark on Sunday with the finishing of the Open Championship as well. So stay tuned. Thank you so much.